0: You're listening to Travel Brigade, your weekly travel and destination show. Here are your hosts, Kathleen Curry and Jeff Griffin.
1: Welcome to Travel Brigade, your weekly travel and destination show. This is Kathleen Curry. I am here with Jeff Griffin enjoying beautiful, warm Cedar City, Utah, because it happens to be the place where the Shakespeare Festival runs every
2: year. That's right. The Utah Shakespeare Festival has been running for over 50 years. It has garnered a Tony Award as one of the great regional theaters in the area. Uh, to give you a little bit of an idea about where Cedar City is, it's about three-hour drive down the I-15 south uh, from Salt Lake City, or if you're in Las Vegas, just a couple hours north of the I-15 from there. Either way, it's a beautiful little town with a really fun theater festival that runs every summer as well as in the fall.
1: There have been times I've been coming and going from Vegas and I've seen the signs to the Shakespeare Festival and it wasn't until a few years ago that I went and I've actually had to go every year since. It's just a really fun place to go. They have a beautiful theater that looks like the, a replica of the globe. It's an outdoor theater. Um, it's a beautiful place near the national parks. There's Zion's National Park and Cedar Breaks National Park. Lots of things to do, outdoor recreation, and then of course some culture as well, enjoying the Utah Shakespeare Festival.
2: Yeah, we're going to tell you about this festival a little bit in this episode. Yeah, The outdoor theater is so amazing because you're sitting under the stars, hearing people speak some of the greatest words ever written in the English language. It's also a fun theater because it's small enough and the way it's situated is that you can pick up every little nuance on every character's face. So it's a very... Uh, intimate, interactive experience. In today's show, we're going to first interview Fred Adams, who was the man who came up with this whole idea and got it going over 50 years ago. After
1: that, we're going to interview Quinn Matfield, who's actually been associated with the theater for a few years. We were lucky to see Quinn last year in a really great production, and he's back again in a couple of more. Not only is he going to talk about the production, but he's going to talk about what he likes to do out and about around the festival when he's not on stage.
2: Shakespeare on the Road also happened to be coming through this summer, and they're going to a number of different Shakespeare festivals in the United States, and they're going to tell us a little bit about what they found going across the United States. Now, the Shakespeare Festival generally does three Shakespeare plays in the outdoor theater in the evening, and then three other plays, some Shakespeare, some not, that run on the indoor theater in the afternoons and evenings and where it's uh, nice and air-conditioned if if that's your preference.
1: So if you're going to go all out like Jeff and I did, you know, you have to come down for just a couple days and you hit a matinee, an evening, matinee, an evening, matinee, an evening, three days later, you are very well, let's say, enlightened with the theater, not only of Shakespeare, but others. It's a really great thing to do. And of course, there's dining and activities in between. We're going to talk about that all on today's show.
2: Before we do that, we first need to do hot topics in travel. Today, much like the Doobie Brothers, I'm taking it to the streets.
1: Okay, we'll see what that is when we come back. In the meantime, check us out on our website, TravelBrigade.com, or you can also follow us on Twitter at TravelBrigade. We'll be right back.
3: What's hot? What's not? What's trending? Next up, this week's picks for travel news and hot topics in travel.
1: Welcome back to Travel Brigade, your weekly travel and destination show. This is Kathleen Curry here with Jeff Griffin in warm southern Utah here at the Utah Shakespeare Festival, enjoying our time at the plays, eating some food, enjoying some activities here all in southern Utah.
2: Coming up, we've got interviews with the festival's creator, with one of the top actors, as well as Shakespeare on the Road, which is an English company that's traveling through the United States. But first, we need to do hot topics in travel. And this one I found on Huffington Post, and it's called Six Ways to Hack Your Travel Costs. We're always looking to hack our travel costs.
1: That's true. We just pretty much want to just go and not have to worry about what we put on the credit cards, the bills. So I'm interested to see how can you actually, I want to know how other people do it. I know how I do it.
2: Some of them were the common sense things that, that you'd find a lot of places. But one really stuck out to me, and that is to either get food from street carts or buy food at a supermarket and pack a picnic?
1: Well, actually, I do that, but it's all—I mean, first of all, because no one wants to eat a huge meal three times a day. I mean, that's a little ridiculous. But you do need a little snack or thing. But I also think when you're in iconic cities, why not pack a picnic and sit outside the Eiffel Tower or sit outside the Coliseum or go to a beach? I mean, it's so much better than being in a restaurant anyway. And I always love going to local grocery stores because you can pick up little candies or little things that they have there that you don't have at home. It's kind of my also favorite go-to place to uh do a little souvenir shopping for people at home.
2: Yeah, it is fun to go to just a supermarket in another place and see how see what people are eating there, see what kind of things you can buy that you can't find at home and yeah, we've had some great experiences just picking up cheese and bread and things and then going and sitting somewhere and, and, just,
1: and a bottle of wine and a bottle of,
2: <laughs> and just enjoying ourselves and in terms of street trucks you know I've had some some great food off street trucks in various places we've been when I say street trucks in the United States we think of that a certain way but many places say in Europe there are little stands here and there throughout the cities that are selling like crepes or palm
1: different- I remember being in Germany one time and having the best palm fritz we had ever had from a little stand on the street I still think about that every once in a while is that bad? I don't know.
2: Coming up, we've got an interview with Fred Adams, who is the man who came up with the idea for creating the Utah Shakespeare Festival.
1: We'll have information on the Utah Shakespeare Festival as well as other information on today's show on our hot sheet. You can check that out at our website, TravelBrigade.com. And again, while you're doing that, check us out on Twitter at travelbrigade. Brigade. Give us a follow. We'll be right back.
3: You're listening to Travel Brigade with Kathleen Curry and Jeff Griffin. You can follow them on Twitter, like them on Facebook, and check out their website at travelbrigade.com.
1: Welcome back to Travel Brigade, your weekly travel and destination show. This is Kathleen Curry here with my co-host, Jeff Griffin. We are here at the Utah Shakespeare Festival enjoying this beautiful weather and so excited that we're just ready to walk into our first production.
2: I am so excited. As far as I know, there are three Utahs who have had a statue made of them while they are still alive. John Stockton, Carl Malone, and Fred Adams. And we are here with Fred Adams, the original founder and creator of everything we see here. And Fred, I believe it was 1962. I love stories like this where somebody has a totally crazy idea i'm going to do outdoor shakespeare in a small southern utah town
0: take us back to that time what what were you thinking Okay, Jeff, Kathleen, how nice. It's, it's great to be here with you, and thank you for having an interest in what we do. And That is a question I constantly get asked. What on earth possessed you to to, to actually start a Shakespeare festival in a community? We were only 18,000 at that time, and uh, looking back, it was probably the dumbest idea on the planet. But uh, at the time, uh, to my wife and I, it seemed like such a sensible idea. The economy had just gone south. It, it, it had tanked. The Iron mines at the west out the west uh, the maiden economy base of, of this community had dried up Japanese steel had just taken over uh, we couldn't make steel in America as cheap so these iron mines lost their foundry contracts and closed up within six months 700 families miners and their families had to leave Cedar City I mean devastating, absolutely devastating. Then uh, the governor, then governor of the state of Utah announced that the federal government was going to build this ribbon of asphalt from Alaska to Mexico, Interstate 15. And it was originally planned to go down along the Utah-Nevada border, which would mean it would be some 20 miles outside of Cedar City. There would be no, uh, as a tourist destination, we we would be dead. And uh, the city was just in a quandary what to do. My wife and I went to the city council and said, what would you think about, I think we could help you with doing a a Shakespeare festival, get people to pull off the freeway that's going to be coming here uh, at that time. And uh, I have to say, the idea went over like a pregnant pole vaulter. I mean nobody nobody saw any vision in that whatsoever i got laughed out of chambers i got laughed out of the city council i got i got a chuckle from the rotary and the kowanians and um we got a little support, uh, sponsorship support from our local Lions Club, and we, we needed $1,000. That's how much it would take to start the festival, we felt. and Now, keep in mind, everything was to be volunteer. We were going to use students from the young college here uh, for it, and uh, and they had all volunteered to give up their summer for us at, at no pay, and so we had it, and and we were all ready. The Lions Club came up and said, sure, we'll give you 1000 so we did it.
1: You know, speaking of the college here, we are in Southern Utah, SUU, and the college has such a tight connection with the festival. As a matter of fact, my niece is here in the Actors Training Program here that you have here, and it was such a feather in her hat to get into the program. But just to see how the festival sort of nurtures and works with, and tell us a little bit about the collaboration that you have with the school. I know that you also open uh, auditions to the local students, and I think it's just fascinating that not only, you know, do you have this festival, but you have this tight connection where you're building Actors for the future, and I think it's just amazing.
0: Actually, Kathleen, mm-hmm. our association with the university, which was 50-some-odd years ago, was not a university. It was a little junior college then. Uh, it only had some 380 students. So uh, no matter what we did in the summer, <laughs> we were not in anybody's way, and we were the only thing going on. But uh, the, over the years, the, the university has grown and grown and grown. And now, of course, it's a it's a major, highly accredited university with graduate programs and, uh, and research programs, and it's been become really a kind of a Harvard of the West, a wonderful school, so it's been a a real benefit for us to be a part of it. Even though the bulk of our company, actors come from New York and San Francisco and Los Angeles and and Toronto, areas like that, we try to keep some of those younger roles ready for uh, promising, talented, uh, gifted students from Southern Utah University. And this this summer training program is kind of a feeder for that. We see some of this talent when it comes in, and, and the school has been marvelous in working with us in the training and uh, this year I have four working in in my green shows my pre-production uh, entertainment that takes place and we have four of them from Southern Utah University in there. they're doing a splendid job. We talked with Quinn about what a wonderful place the current
2: Adams Theater is to see a show reconstructed after the fashion of the globe but coming in the future we've got that same outdoor theater with uh, 21st century amenities
0: Oh yes, elevators and uh, ADA re- requirements all fulfilled. The new theater and of course we begin the construction in just um, almost immediately and so it's going to be exciting. Probably by the time you air this there will be bulldozers starting to um, prepare the, the ground for the new Shakespeare Theater. And it's going to it's going to be um, a real feather in our cap. It's planned as a fabulous facility and, and in addition to it uh, in case of rain it will have its own roof. We can retract the roof in case Inclement weather and and play on, which means we can we can run Shakespeare much much earlier in the spring and a lot of later on into the fall as well as uh, uh, do matinees uh, out of doors. So it's going to be kind of uh, uh, kind of exciting to see that addition to the festival because it's going to be a big it's going to be a big change. And actors like Quinn that have kind of cut their teeth on this beloved old theater that we've we've had for 30 years, um, they're going to they're going to get a whole new a whole new experience. And yet it'll be the same experience because we're not spoiling. We don't want to. Spoil the ambiance. We don't want the, the actor audience relationship to expand. We like the immediacy of having an actor within 35 feet of the furthest audience member. We want to keep that. But it's going to be it's going to be kind of fun to to see it. And when with with God's help, we hope to be uh, uh, opening uh, in 2016, which of course you know is the quadricentennial of William Shakespeare. So for us, it will be a huge will be a, a huge portion of the international celebration that will be taking place.
2: For more information about everything we're talking about, you can go to TravelBrigade.com and we'll post links with today's episode. Or you can just go to Bard.org, B-A-R-D. You don't have to like figure out how do I spell out Shakespeare or is it Shakespeare or Shakespearean? You just got to type in B-A-R-D.org <laughs> or you can go to TravelBrigade.com.
1: We'll put that link on our today for today's show. You can also check us out on Twitter at travelbrigade. More on this week's show at the Utah Shakespeare Festival coming up.
3: Questions or comments for the Travel Brigade? Tweet them at Travel Brigade.
1: Welcome back to Traveler Brigade, your weekly travel and destination show. This is Kathleen Curry here with Jeff Griffin, my co-host here in sunny, sunny Southern Utah here at the Utah Shakespeare Festival. You know, it was kind of funny, uh, Fred mentioned the green show. That's actually one of my favorite parts about coming here. You actually get to go early and you can see, you know, people all dressed up in their things, selling water, selling pastries, which are our favorite, the little the little pies that they have here every year. Uh, we love having those. And you can also get some little classic dishes that tie in with the festival It's a lot of fun to come to the Green Show. That usually starts about an hour before the performance in the evening.
2: Yeah, it kind of turns the whole evening into an event, not just going to a play, but a whole event. You get there and people are dressed in period costumes and everything, and yeah, you can really make an evening of it.
1: You know, we also wanted to talk a little bit about restaurants in the area because, of course, you know, you're going to be going to a matinee and then an evening performance. you got to eat in between.
2: Over the past few years, Cedar City, which is just this small, rural Utah town, has picked up quite a few good restaurants that uh, we've really enjoyed going to.
1: Yeah, my favorite, uh, again, we were talking about food that they have at the Green Show, which is great, the pastries. It's actually funny. People will, like, stand in line, and you hear them, like, they have about, what, five different flavors. They have apple, cream cheese, strawberry, summer berry. I don't know what they are. Lemon. All I know is if they run out of one, like, you hear, like, somebody go, oh, I want the lemon. And they're like, oh, I'm sorry, we we just have these four. So Someone just sold the last one. You hear this, oh, when are you going to get another one? Like, you can can hear. I
2: I do get borderline aggressive if I don't get my lemon. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs)
1: And actually, I think we had one of the mini-me's try the cream cheese. That was pretty good. I've had apple. I've had a few of them, but they're all really good. But of course, that, you know, man cannot live on pastries alone. Well, Jeff can, but Centro is a pizza place, which you think, oh, a pizza place, but it's actually a uh, wood fire pizza place. Everything's from scratch. They even make a dessert pizza. We've had some really, really good pizzas there. They always have like a house special. One time, I think we got pear and goat cheese, which was really good. But then, of course, they have all your
2: traditional ones. They also have a beer and wine list, and it's a popular place for actors and people in the show to go hang out before or after the shows. Another place that's really fun is Garden House, which is just how it sounds. It's this beautiful house with a beautiful garden around it. And then inside is a restaurant, and every year they do certain dishes based on the shows that are being put on.
1: Yeah, they actually changed the the names and the menus that sort of tie in with the show. It's a popular little place. And it is, like Jeff said, it's actually a house that's been converted into a restaurant. So that's a really fun place. And then, of course, Jeff's favorite, the pastry pub.
2: I love going there. It's just like a block away from the theaters and you can get great sandwiches and salads. And just it's just a fun place to kick back and relax and people watch.
1: I get shakes there. I kind of like it. But I also go to Sunny Boy's Barbecue, which is actually supposed to be rated uh, some really good barbecue, I've heard. But we've had it. and We really like it. So we go there as well. So there's actually quite a few different places to go while you're there.
2: Yeah, there's certainly no lack of dining when you're in Cedar City. Mm -hmm. And you kind of just follow these instructions. Eat, (laughs) go to show, take a nap. Eat, go to show, sleep for the night, repeat.
1: I know. That's what it is. But it's really fun. I love it.
2: <laughs> now you don't have to take our word for it on the restaurants because coming up we've got an interview with Quinn Mattfeld who has been one of the top actors here in the festival for we a few Quinn. years and he really knows his way around town and we've got two interviews with him the first one we're going to talk about you know acting here in the festival and some of his favorite roles and things but in the second one he's going to tell us some of his favorite places to eat and well, favorite he's things eat, to do right? he's yeah. got to stand
1: up on that stage he's got to eat he's got to do some things in yeah. between getting on that stage all he's 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 usually in like two shows so he's a busy guy
2: but that is one of the fun things about this festival is you'll see somebody in a totally over the top comedy in the afternoon and then doing you know a very serious Shakespeare role in the evening so So we've got Quinn coming up for two interviews stay tuned you're listening to Travel Brigade your weekly travel and destination show follow us on Twitter at Travel Brigade we will be right back
3: You're listening to Travel Brigade with Kathleen Curry and Jeff Griffin. You can follow them on Twitter, like them on Facebook, and check out their website at TravelBrigade.com.
1: Welcome back to Travel Brigade, your weekly travel and destination show. This is Kathleen Curry here with my co-host Jeff Griffin. We are in Cedar City at the Shakespeare Festival, the Utah award-winning. Shakespeare festival
2: we're really lucky. we are interviewing Quinn mattfeld he's one of the actors here, and Quinn last year, I watched you in an afternoon play a pirate Not pirate, just a pirate event the pirate eventually a known as the black stash eventually known as Captain Hook. you can actually um, still
1: see the stash just just slightly <laughs> under this skin. I'm sure makeup has to cover it for all the other roles he plays, but it's it's very
2: predominant but that was the classic scene chewing role, and then in the evening you're spitting out iambic pentameter as some sort of royal in a shakespeare play how is that a great opportunity tough to keep up with how do, how do you do that
4: it's actually a great opportunity because it's you get to do many different versions of yourself in the same day in the morning exactly you get to play the pirate captain Blackstache, and yeah, I, I did shave this morning, so it's not as prominent. And you get to chew the scenery and be completely silly and basically play an emotional, mental child, you know? And uh, and then in the afternoon, yeah, I have to play somebody regal and sophisticated. I think the divide this year is probably just as stark, if not more stark, playing Sir Andrew Aguecheek, who, what you'll see it this afternoon, maybe doesn't understand anything that's ever said to him in his life, ever. He's just completely latches on to uh, the people around him and what their energy is and so he just kind of understands the world through the enthusiasm of the people around him and then uh, Edward Ferris from uh, Sense and Sensibility and he's a a really shy smart sort of awkward kind of guy. I've got this theme of awkward this year, but I wonder, wonder what that says about me. Both of those, the divide of those is, is really different, and yet they're both aspects in a weird way of my personality. I, I don't think I want to admit so much to Andrew Aguecheek, but I will admit to uh, to Edward Ferris that I am, I feel very similar to that character, and it's just a great thing. You get to wake up in the morning and go, okay, which one do I get to be today, and or do I get to be both, and at what time? So it's kind of a wonderful experience to have and to get to share those strange aspects of yourself you know the darkened corners of the human mind with uh the the audience i think it's it's a great opportunity
2: tell us a little bit about how long you've been doing the festival and what keeps you coming back what do you love about coming here to cedar city in the summer and doing this festival
1: and i was going to say i a southern california girl by heart have come up and down this freeway many a times and thought i should stop there and it wasn't until about four years ago that i did and now i can't get enough i keep coming back so tell us why you keep
4: coming back I love it. We're sitting on like a park bench under these gorgeous trees and it's, it's like bucolic and perfect right now. It's so wonderful. I mean, that's one of the reasons is the fact that it's so gorgeous here and there's a great festival atmosphere. You know, you can see six shows in two, what, three days, in three days. That's pretty amazing. And it's this wonderful blast of, of if you come and do all all six in three days, of culture and of entertainment and storytelling. It does, I think when you come here, it has the effect theater ought to have, that that it's supposed to have, that it was designed to have, which is a transformative effect. It really does feel invigorating like it feels like medicine sometimes it's so it's so rejuvenating and exciting and uh it's just good it's good soul medicine stuff i keep coming back too because the audiences here are really really special my colleague grant goodman was saying the other day there is really no other theater that he's ever worked at or that i've ever worked at where the audience has such ownership over the stories over the actors over this festival you know people will come up to you and go oh this is my fifth love's labors lost (laughs) you think how, how has a human being seen love's labors lost five times in their life but it happens here at the utah shakespeare festival and they're excited and they're really interested in seeing what the shows look like uh how they're different from the last time or if they've never seen anything you know just what it means to see Shakespeare at an outdoor theater or uh Jane Austen in the Randall it's a really everyone that's here actors and audience they come here because they're sharing something really unique and I think it's a it's a transformative storytelling experience it's the best place I have ever done it I I love it I really love it more than more than any other theater that I've worked at it's just it feels like an artistic home because it's so unique and and special.
1: We talked about the quality of the shows here. Talk a little bit about the quality of the shows. I mean, it's an, a Tony Award-winning production here, the festival, and many of the actors. I mean, we know that there are Shakespeare festivals that are, you know, are not festivals, just say Shakespeare shows that are put on by uh, neighborhood play groups. But we're talking about a lot, a large quantity of the actors here, equity actors, not to toot your own horn. I know you're an equity actor, but tell us a little bit about the caliber of, of the actors here at the festival.
4: You have a really high caliber of actors here. There are a lot of people, that are here that have worked all over the country: New York, L.A., Chicago. You know, they've worked in so many different venues. There, there are people who've been on Broadway that are now here. I, I've done; I was stage parsley in a Broadway show, but I, <laughs> regardless, I was actually. You have such a high caliber of of actor and of artist that's here, not just actor, but also director and everyone who works in the design element stage and and costume as well it's it's wonderful because you see such a great sort of influx of of all of these different talents at the highest level coming together in cedar city utah (laughs) who would have thought (laughs) but it's it's become this really wonderful destination for all these great minds and great talents and There's a reason why everyone keeps coming back every year. And I also have to say that I've been here for five years. No, six years, but five seasons. And... I have seen the quality of the work when I was here. My first year was fantastic, and it's done nothing but get better. The quality of the company members, every year I always talk with a couple of my friends about how the equity company is is great and solid, and they're always bringing in, you know, they're bringing in people from Denver and people from New York and just wonderful actors that I get to meet and play with, and that's wonderful. But also the quality of the non-equity company has gotten so strong, and when you have a show where... Where the the people who handle the bulk of the language are really strong, and then you have people who come in and support. I'm actually one of those people who comes in and supports this year, equally, if not, you know, just just as strong as the as the equity company is. No one ever drops the ball. You know, you do get into those productions sometimes where you go, okay, now there's this scene, <laughs> and that just that has not happened. I was telling I was telling Fred Adams that this is the strongest across the board year. Year for shows that I've ever seen at the Shakespeare Festival. I've never been in two shows that are as strong as Twelfth Night and Sense and Sensibility. They're really... This is a really great year to come out and see the shows at the festival.
2: What you're saying is LeBron can't do it by himself. They've got to build a lineup (laughs) around him. I've had the privilege of attending theater in New York, L.A., London, all the great cities. And the outdoor theater here, the Adams Theater, is built to be like the Globe outdoor theater. And... The thing I've noticed about it is out of all the places I've ever been, this is the most intimate. And you, as an actor, there's no place to hide. (laughs) Is that what's it like to be out there and and know that the audience can pick up every little cue on your face?
4: Well, the great thing about it is that it is so intimate, and there are 800 people sitting around sharing your thoughts. The wonderful thing about that is that's the way Shakespeare designed it. You know, you have all of these. You have a character that will stop and turn and talk to the audience. You see it in Henry uh, 4, part one. You see it in Measure for Measure. You see it in Comedy of Errors. All of them have characters that stop and turn out and go, hey, You see what's going on up here? Let me tell you about it. Let me talk to you. Let me tell you, share my most intimate thoughts. You can see people's faces. You can talk to them. Shakespeare is, our culture predominantly knows him as a philosopher and a poet, but I think to me his real genius is as a dramatist. The energy and the excitement and the intimacy of what it means to have 800 people in the same room that are all participating in the same Uh, experiment. We're all participating in the same story. It's electric. It's so exciting and it's designed to be that way. There's something about the human interaction of storytelling that the Adams Theatre specifically really facilitates and that Shakespeare's Theatre was designed to do. It was designed to bring people into a story to to allow them to participate not just in watching it but in the telling of it. That the audience you know, I always call it the Heisenberg bump, um, not Walter White, but the other Heisenberg, the historical one. You know, it, there's something about the watcher changing the experiment. And Shakespeare knew that. And I think the Adams Theater really facilitates that. And it's such uh, an infective, electric uh exciting way to watch stories rather than sitting in a room by yourself watching a screen or sitting in a room with a bunch of other people watching a screen in this case the the screen reacts to you it, it responds to you and it's aware of you being there and because you're there it changes the way the story is told we talk about what happens in every single show that was different from last night and it's usually because something about the energy is different you can come see one of these shows every single time that it plays and you will see something different in every show because it's it's a unique theatrical event and uh, i think the there's no better place for it than the adams theater because it, it is like it's like the globe
1: well quinn is doing makeup we've got to let him go thank you so much for spending time with us you can check out information about the festival on our hot sheet for today's show at travelbrigade.com you can also follow us on twitter at travel brigade
2: we will be right back
1: not sure where to go
3: what to do and where to sleep Up next, hot hotels, unique activities, and top
1: attractions in our destination city. Check it out! Welcome back to Travel Brigade, your weekly travel and destination show. This is Kathleen Curry here with Jeff Griffin. We are here in Cedar City at the Utah Shakespeare Festival. And people always wonder when they come down to the festival, you know, yes, you do have to get in, you know, anywhere between four plays in, in two days, six plays in three days. But what do you do in
2: between? We've got actor Quinn Matfeld here. And when he's not spitting out iambic pentameter on the globe-like stage, outdoor stage here, he is off doing his own thing. And one got to thing- replenish those calories. Yeah. You know he's up on the stage
1: checking things out. There's places to go. He's got. I'm sure there's a place a coffee stop. I'm sure there's no doubt there is a place besides Starbucks here to get coffee. Probably some place great places to get some fine dining as well.
2: Yeah, Where do you go either uh, before shows, after shows? What keeps you running? You're right. You know I
4: would love to say first thing I do as soon as I'm done is go to Zion and hike, <laughs> hike Angels Landing. But usually I'm too tired for that. So before shows, you will usually meet a lot of the actors hanging out at a local coffee shop called The Grind on Main Street, which is fantastic. I unofficially have a sandwich named after me. Because I'm a vegetarian, I don't eat turkey, but they have this sweet and spicy turkey sandwich that I get without turkey and they call it the Quinwich and it's delicious. We're trying to get them to put it on the board, but that's fantastic. It's also attached to a local uh, bookstore. I think if I weren't working here, I would probably just spend my time in that building because I love it so much. If you want to go to dinner someplace, great. Centro is like a wood-fired pizza place with, uh, they have beer on tap and they have amazing desserts that kind of blow your mind that you're sort of like, how did you put uh, olive oil and balsamic vinaigrette on ice cream and make that so unbelievably delicious. So that's wonderful. The place that I just discovered, which has been occupying much of my time outside of the festival is Grovacious, the local music store. I've just got a, a turntable for myself, and so now all of the money that I get from this festival is going directly to Grovacious. as I'm collecting vinyls. It's one of my favorite places in town, and I spend way too much time and money there, but it's the people are so wonderful, and it's just such a great way to to be involved in what's local here and the people that are here because the the people in town are are just absolutely fantastic so i like to do that i like going to the movie theater there's the the second run movie theater right down the street from the grind and from the bookstore what is the bookstore called Main, (laughs) main street books what's that bookstore on main street main street books oh okay yeah so i love that that's what i do a lot of
1: You know, speaking of uh, Angel's Landing, Jeff did that one time when we were here, and it almost became Widow's Landing. (laughs) (laughs) And I just barely took the insurance policy out just in time. But nonetheless, he gave back. Tell us a little bit about, I mean, we are surrounded by this, beautiful atmosphere. We're in the near Cedar Breaks. We're near Zions. Tell us some other things when you actually, there is a day of rest here for the festival and some people may worship in different ways. And so tell us a little bit about, you know, when you do maybe get out and do some things around the area, what kinds of things do you do? When
4: I do get out, I I like to go, go hiking. Canarville's fantastic. It's maybe 10, 15 minutes away and it's a series of waterfalls and it's really pretty easy hiking up till about the first waterfall. And then you have to climb I'm a log to get up it uh but it's worth it. And so there's about three waterfalls I think and um it's so fun and it's so refreshing even if it's really hot it's a nice one to climb because you're kind of in a in a bit of a canyon. So I like that. I like that hike. I really like the Narrows, which is a big slot canyon in Zion. Zion's about an hour away. Springdale where Zion is actually, which is where I'm getting married in the fall. Uh after the season closes on October 19th, my fiance Betsy McGavro, who's also an actress here, has been been an actress in previous years. Uh, We're getting married in Springdale at the Switchback. And so that's a really cool place. They've got local breweries there. But I love Angels Landing. I love the Emerald Pools. The Narrows is fantastic as well. If you just get on the bus in Zion and ride around and see it, it's there, it makes sense why people came here and went oh okay this is the promised land you know because the energy is amazing and it's so gorgeous i i really like that if you go to Parawan, i think the last time we went there there was a there was a music festival and there's cave paintings which is really cool so there's a lot of outdoor stuff to do and canarville is not it's not a hike that you need equipment for now angels landing there is a chain bolted into the side of a mountain that is definitely a, a climb for people who are physically fit and ready to do it but then every time I do it, I also see families climbing up. So uh, apparently, you know, anybody can do it. Um, Canarville is not a particularly physically exhausting hike, and it's really lovely and it's simple to do, and it's about 10 minutes away. So that's that's really worth it.
1: Now, Quinn we've heard and you just sort of backed up the story that we've heard there's a lot of couples here at the festival (laughs) so this is another way we spend our (laughs) downtime just hanging around with other people at the festival like i think last year when we were here doing a story we there was like what three or four couples that we had talked to that were here and it was just very funny
2: what's bizarre is these aren't hollywood couples they actually stay together
1: yeah yeah (laughs) yeah and as Jeff and I can tell you, we're married, we work together, and you know, close proximity sometimes. Sometimes we need respite, you know, so <laughs> all is well. So kudos to you, congratulations on your marriage. Again, uh, there's so many great things to do in Cedar. We're going to add a few of those again on our hot sheet for today's show that you can check out at our website, TravelBrigade.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at Travel Brigade. There's more to come up on this week's show in Cedar City at the Utah Shakespeare
2: Festival. We will be right back.
3: Questions or comments for the Travel Brigade? Tweet them at Travel Brigade.
1: Welcome back to Traveler Brigade, your weekly travel and destination show. This is Kathleen Curry here with Jeff Griffin again here in warm, warm, sunny Cedar City, which is in southern Utah, enjoying the Utah Shakespeare Festival. Like Jeff said, going to shows and eating and sleeping and going to more shows, having a great time. It's a lot of fun.
2: You just heard an interview with Quinn Mattfeld. The Utah Shakespeare Festival is just one of many festivals Across America, there are a lot of great festivals. Some of the more notable ones are Free Shakespeare in Central Park, and they usually bring in some heavy hitters uh, for those. Did I've you, actually
1: been to one of those when I lived in New York. And how yeah. long
2: did you have to stand in line?
1: Um, well, knowing me, or did I had you a. Know I was going to say, I knew somebody. <laughs> you always know somebody. <laughs>
2: Another well-known one that I've been to is the Oregon Shakespeare Festival in Ashland. Again, a beautiful little uh, sort of rural town with lots of great restaurants and things and beautiful setting.
1: Ashland's really a cute town.
2: Going north to our Canadian friends, there's actually one called Stratford in Canada, but it's Stratford, Ontario, Oh, and they once had Alec Guinness as one of their Ah, actors there. Very good. Of course, there's many, many more across America.
1: There's actually, just to pipe in here, there is one on Lake Tahoe right on the beach, and I believe on the North Shore, and the theater actually overlooks Lake Tahoe.
2: Sounds gorgeous. One place to check out to find out about more uh, different festivals is dmoz.org. They've got a list of various Shakespeare festivals. But coming up, we've got an interview with Shakespeare on the Road. Now, this is a group of English people who said, "Wow, these Americans sure like our boy Bill. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Bill's pretty popular here."
2: <laughs> I said,
1: "We we heard of that guy Shakespeare. <laughs> we ain't and, illiterate here in America." <laughs>
2: We can't get them to call chips, crisps, or <laughs> and we can't get them to put vinegar on their fries. And for
1: crying out loud, they say but, herb instead of herb.
2: <laughs> but they sure do seem to love their Shakespeare. Yes, so they came over do. and are spending the summer going to several different Shakespeare festivals. You hear more about it. And it's really kind of fascinating because everywhere they go, that community sort of takes Shakespeare and makes it their own. Very nice. So coming up, we've got that interview. Stay tuned. You're listening to Travel Brigade.
1: For information about today's show, you can check out the hot sheet at travelbrigade.com. And while you're doing that, make sure that you follow us on Twitter at Travel Brigade. We'll be right back.
3: You're listening to Travel Brigade with Kathleen Curry and Jeff Griffin. You can follow them on Twitter, like them on Facebook, and check out their website at travelbrigade.com.
2: Welcome back to Travel Brigade. This is Jeff Griffin here. Kathleen Curry is out on another assignment at the moment. For our Shakespeare episode, what better place to get Shakespeare information from than the birthplace of Shakespeare? I've got Paul Edmondson from the Shakespeare Birthplace Trust in Stratford-upon-Avon. Welcome, Paul. And you are actually in America right now. Tell us what you're doing over here.
5: Hi Jeff, yes, I'm I'm speaking to you from Cedar City in Utah, and we're embarked the Shakespeare Birthplace Trust in partnership with the University of Warwick and a social media design company called Misfit Inc. are on the road in search of Shakespeare across the states and North America this summer. We landed on the fourth of July in Kansas City and it's a sixty-three day road trip of fourteen Shakespeare festivals across twenty five states, traveling ten thousand miles and seeing thirty eight production. And we're in Utah for the Utah Shakespeare Festival, which is our fourth festival of the journey.
2: I understand that we should be just grateful that you guys are coming over to check us out, but you guys are actually bringing a gift to celebrate Shakespeare's 450th birthday.
5: We are. The premise for the whole project is one of reverse pilgrimage. This year is the 450th anniversary of Shakespeare's birth. And we are so aware in where we see things from of the amount of Shakespeare making that there is across the states in the summer and the people of the UK really know nothing about this that you know Shakespeare breaks out from sea to shining sea all over America. And so for the 450th anniversary year, we wanted to celebrate that. And we wanted also to bring an actual gift with us who are telling the story of Shakespeare across America, getting something of its pulse beat through the life of these festivals. But we're also presenting to the 14 festivals a special commemorative plaque of the project, which is actually made from cedar wood, a a ring of cedar tree from a tree that used to grow in the garden of Shakespeare's birthplace in Stratford-upon-Avon. Cedars of Lebanon live about 150 years and this one was just past its best it was too heavy for its own good and they can't support their weight because the needle gets so wet and saturated so they eventually drop to pieces and then they become dangerous so unfortunately we had to fell the tree about three years ago and i remembered that we had this wood in storage i thought "Mm, yes i'm sure we can use that for something and then i thought let's ask our good friend of the shakespeare birthplace trust greg wyatt who's an american artist he is the sculptor in residence at st john the divine cathedral in new york city to make some plaques, if he's been interested in designing a plaque for us, and he's really done us proud. And he's produced beautiful, built onto sort of uh, rings of this of this tree, a bronze medallion of Shakespeare's head with some details about the project around it. And we're able to present these plaques to the festivals uh, when we arrive, as well as you know, doing presentations about the project and involving as many people as possible, telling their story about their festival. And all of this is is online for people to engage with. Follow the road trip at ShakespeareOnTheRoad.com.
2: This is quite an Undertaking. We were recently in Cedar and saw four plays in two days. I think you said you've seen thirty-eight in sixty-three days. <laughs> and, um, that's, that's right. That's quite an, <laughs> an. That's that's uh, quite an undertaking. When you've been there in Cedar City, now, what what has stood out to you about the Utah Festival?
5: Well, it's an extraordinary phenomenon, the the Utah Shakespeare Festival. What stood out for it for me is the dedication of the audiences, the colossally high quality of the productions we're seeing. We enjoyed Measure for Measure and Twelfth Night and Henry the Fourth Part One over the last couple of days. This evening we see Comedy of Errors. I'd never been here before. I'd heard that it was a the theatre space, the Adams Shakespeare Theatre, that evokes something of the Globe Theatre. Actually, I think it's better than the Globe Theatre in London wow. because you can see everything and you can hear everything, and also. It was built you know, many years before the Globe as well. So I think it's a marvellous space. I'm also bowled over by the fact that Utah Shakespeare Festival are building two new theatres in time for 2016, which is the 400th anniversary of Shakespeare's death. And they're replacing the main theatre space with a brand new auditorium and they're building a small black box theatre studio as well, which will seat about 200 people. So the energy here is very, very impressive. And we've been delighted to talk to the artistic directors here, this afternoon we have an interview with the founder of the utah shakespeare festival fred c adams and the executive director scott phillips spoke to us yesterday and it's extraordinary to hear their insights because one of the things that this project is about is just trying to understand more about why shakespeare is valued across america in the way that he is and people have a range of um different answers that question. It's its a complex question. I mean, you, you can answer it quite straightforwardly and say, oh, he's all about the human condition. Oh, he's universal. That actually doesn't dig deep into the heart of why these festivals are doing what they're doing. Why do people decide to do this with their working lives? and and not other things. Why do the audiences come to these Shakespeare festivals? What do they especially value about particular festivals? How do festivals reflect the concerns and the culture of their own specific region and area? So it is absolutely fascinating. Now, the outcomes of this are threefold. One is that we're making our own radio documentary about the trip. So we're capturing a lot of interviews uh, on audio. We're going to be writing a book about the experiences and about the festivals we've been visiting. And we're also inviting the festivals to deposit in the Shakespeare Center Library and Archive in Stratford-on-Avon, some material from one production at the festival for each of the next three years, so that between 2014 and 2016, over 14 festivals, each of them submitting you know, a production a year, a prompt book, theatre reviews, programmes, impressions of that production, we'll be able to show in our international collections at the Shakespeare Birthplace Trust something of what Shakespeare was like in performance over those two anniversary years. And all of the audio recordings will be archived properly as well. So so it'll be an, an impressive story of certainly a remarkable summer so far, but wider than that, the story of Shakespeare Cross festival culture in the States of North America.
2: Yeah, it's, as we said, an ambitious undertaking. And give us an idea of some of the festivals you're going to be going to, things that stand out, things that are unique, uh, things that you're excited to see or have already seen and, and really enjoyed
5: well yeah, it's been it's been extraordinary so far we flew into kansas city on the 4th of july in time for barbecue and fireworks lovely <laughs> and then we saw the uh, production of the winter's tale and you know a thousand people turned up to see it with blankets and picnics and it's free to the whole of the city and people go there who would never normally go to the theater they turn up to see shakespeare the heart of america shakespeare festival and they built their own stage in the park specifically designed and there was a thunderstorm on the first night that we saw it and it was touch and go where the second half could happen and 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 there were memorable moments because of the thunder and lightning framing the Shakespeare. But it was a a hugely dynamic and rewarding production. And then we went to New Orleans to Tulane University, who have a Shakespeare Festival. And there, it was a production of Midsummer Night's Dream done in a studio space as part of the university campus at Tulane. But what we were especially struck by was the stories we heard about before and after Hurricane Katrina and the impact that had had on the artistic choices of the festival. So, for example, in Midsummer Night's Dream, the character Titania, the Queen of the Fairies, talks about the seasons altering and the devastation of the environment because of... It's because of the, her argument with the king of the fairies, um, Oberon. Um, but those lines about disordered seasons and weather resonate very differently to the people of New Orleans. Right. And then we moved on to Texas, near Austin, Windale, which was sort of under the Greenwood tree, you know, the As You Like It song. Mm-hmm. And that's the student festival with the University of Texas at Austin. It's been going 40 years. And they perform in a barn in the field in the middle of nowhere with a few snakes and, yeah, and a lake. And they rehearse for four weeks, three Shakespeare plays, and then they perform them in rep for six weeks. Wow. And audiences, thousands of people go from quite a large catchment area to this field in the middle of nowhere to see these fantastic young people make Shakespeare come to life. And we were immensely privileged to see their dress rehearsal of Troilus and Cressida and Mary Wise and Windsor. They're also doing their taming of the Shrew this year. So they're now up and running. We just saw them just before they, they opened. But for them, it's a total immersion in Shakespeare for about 10 weeks in the summer, which is extraordinary. And then we came to Utah, uh, which is as different again. We've deliberately chosen large, medium, small festivals, long-established and new festivals to get something of the contrast of how Shakespeare has done. So, for example, when we go from here, we'll be going to Topanga to see the Will Gear Theatricum Botanicum Shakespeare Festival. and um, They're doing a reverse-gendered production of King Lear, so it'll be a woman playing Lear. They have three sons, not three daughters. I know, mm-hmm. absolutely fascinating. I can't wait to see that. And then we go to Ashland, Oregon, of course, which I think will be as different again. We then go across to Montana, and they're an itinerant festival. They take their own stage and put it up in small villages and perform. Shakespeare, so we'll spend a couple of days with them. And then we go across to the Door Shakespeare Festival on Lake Michigan, down to Chicago Shakespeare Theatre, across to New York where we partnered with the Harlem Shakespeare Festival. They're just one year old this year. We go up to Massachusetts, then to see Shakespeare and Company, Tina Packer's Company, which is very famous. Then we go up to Stratford, Ontario and immerse ourselves there in their shows. Then we go back down to Nashville, Tennessee to see a bluegrass, as you like it. And then we go across to Stanton, Virginia, to the American Shakespeare Center. And then we finish in Washington, D.C. at the Washington, D.C. Shakespeare Theater to see their production of The Winter's Tale. We begin and end with The Winter's Tale, and we, we finish there on the 5th of September.
2: Wow, that is that is quite a tour. <laughs> and and what I'm what I'm hearing is that every place kind of takes their own experience and their own geography and their own culture and puts their own sort of flavor of into the Shakespeare mix, so to speak.
5: They they do they do to varying degrees. And you know, sometimes Jeff that takes some unpacking and you know, you're talking to the actors, theatre personnel or artistic directors and it's not immediately there in the front of their minds. But then when you start to ask them more questions they say, Well, of course such and such, because x y and z and then it all sort of starts gradually to come into focus in that way and that definitely is one of the fascinating things just how different these festivals are from each other but you know the other thing and this is sort of slightly off the tangent but very connected to where what we're doing we're driving six and a half thousand miles we're making three internal flights but jaguar land rover gave us cars to drive which is totally fantastic
2: If you're going to drive, those are nice cars. Wow! I mean, I just there
5: was one day. There was one day last week we drove 650 miles, and I thought, had we not been in a Land Rover or something as comfortable, it would have not been in any way as pleasurable an experience. Um, So we're very, very grateful to JLR for supporting our work and just spotting at at their highest level how they could help out a really imaginative project.
2: Well, thank you for speaking with us, Paul. And again, people can go to shakespeareontheroad.com to hear more about that. We'll also have a link at our website, travelbrigade.com. Thank you very much, Paul.
5: Thank you, Jeff.
2: You're listening to Travel Brigade, your weekly travel and destination show. Follow us on Twitter at Travel Brigade. We will be right back.
3: agree but they always seem to have the reasons next up travel brigades countdown of their favorites from this week's show on he said she said
1: Welcome back to Traveler Brigade, your weekly travel and destination show. This is Kathleen Curry here with Jeff Griffin. We are here at the Utah Shakespeare Festival, enjoying our time here, watching wonderful productions here, down here in Southern Utah.
2: Kathleen has even put up with me, you know, after I go to about two or three Shakespeare plays in a row in two or three days, <laughs> I start talking like I'm in a Shakespeare play and <laughs> yes. start calling you fair lady. Yeah. And, Would be and, and,
1: like some. Yes. <laughs> Stop it!
2: So... But it it is interesting how My fair
1: lady, would would thou us mind? And I just kind of start rolling my eyes.
2: It does change the whole way you start thinking about language. That's true. Alas, fair maiden, (laughs) yonder moon does rise in sky, and it is time for us to depart.
1: Ah, well, at least you didn't call me a winch. I guess. (laughs) (laughs) I guess we've got one, one up there.
2: Thus we must do he said, she said...
1: Heath said, heath said, sheath, sheath said. said. <laughs> yes,
2: for, just for this episode. Heath said, sheath said. I can't said. even say that yeah.
1: correctly. That's been...
2: but uh, I have to say
1: it slow. Heath, this... heath said, sheath said. There we go.
2: This is <laughs> say that, that five times. This is that part of the program where we each pick our three favorite things from this particular destination. As always, the wench goes first.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Why, thank you so much, sir. I'm gonna go with my my number three is going to be, of course, the pastries. There's something about them. It's actually really funny. We've had family members that have gone down there and they like pick up pastries to bring home. Everybody's got to get their pastries when you're like the line during concession line during the intermission. Everyone wants their pastries. It's just there's just something about because you have to have it. It's it's a requirement.
2: <laughs> yeah, we should point out they're called tarts. Oh
1: yeah, that's true. They're Not... tarts. <laughs>
2: Not to be confused with certain <laughs> radio show hosts.
1: Right. <laughs> I'm sorry, the tarts.
2: <laughs> Insert your own joke about a tart. Yeah, whatever. Tart. Okay. Um, my number three is the actors sort of being around town, just how accessible they are. Like you'll oh, see yeah. somebody in a production and then you'll kind of go to lunch and you'll see them there at lunch and, yeah. and they're very friendly. And, like uh, our buddy
1: Quinn. Hey, Quinn, yeah. how's it going? Yeah. Getting a coffee for the show? Yeah. yeah. That's the way it goes. It's very great. So I'm going to go, my number two is the variety. I love that. I mean, I do love Bill and all his Shakespearean works, but it is nice kind of going to a show that's completely different than that, whether it's a musical or or a drama, and then kind of just the variety. I like being able to do Shakespeare and then also the variety. So it's a very nice balance. And I really like that.
2: Yeah. You can check out a fun musical in the afternoon and then you know a shakespeare king
1: henry at night
2: yeah yes my number two is just hearing the language of shakespeare being spoken As there's something about it's one thing to read it it's another to hear people speaking it and hear them speaking it so well and i don't know it just is there's something enjoyable about it
1: no it is it it is there is something i've never really liked shakespeare you know kind of movies or whatever it just doesn't have the flair of actual theater so I would agree and that kind of like tails into my number one is the one thing that is so great about the Utah Shakespeare Festival is the intimacy of the theater and the the actors and I think that that being said you know we did talk a little bit about the new theater with some of the interviews and that even when the Shakespeare Festival is getting so big and they're expanding and all of that They still made a conscious effort when they're rebuilding their theaters to keep them very intimate. And there is something about literally hearing the crack, uh, you know, on the stage floor or somebody, you know, the sweat down their brow. I mean, there is something about that intimacy that you really feel connected. It's not like you're sitting in a musical at a big, you know, arena and you're four tiers up. There's just something about it. And I
2: love that. On that same sort of line, my number one is being outdoors and seeing these amazing plays and hearing, uh, you know, Henry V deliver some amazing soliloquy and looking up and seeing the stars over your head. and And
1: clear. You don't get that mountain clear everywhere. And it is beautiful, clear, and starry, starry night.
2: (laughs) So, Duchess. Yes? It is time for us to depart.
1: Ah, Parting is such sweet sorrow
2: we will be back next week with another great destination in the meantime please remember there are two stages in life you're either on a trip or you're planning your next trip whatever stage you're in join us next week
1: that's right make sure in the meantime you check out our website travelbrigade.com and also follow us on twitter keep up with us there see you next week and enjoy the trip
0: you have been listening to kathleen curry and jeff griffin on travel brigade Connect with them on Facebook, Twitter and at TravelBrigade.com.